Thank you for your welcome. It's really wonderful to be in St. Aldate's, uh, as always. And uh, David and Zoe and Frank and Joe and Joel, real honor to listen to what you had to say and to share in your confirmation this evening. Let's pray together. Father, speak to us, we pray, through your word and through one another's lives that we might be shaped more into the likeness of your Son, Jesus Christ, and reflect your glory to your world. In his holy name we pray. Amen. I hope you're well and you've had a, a really good day uh, uh, despite the heat. Uh, I've been in Chesham this morning, uh, which is part of the Diocese of Oxford, uh, down in Buckinghamshire, celebrating with a church called St. George's, 150 years of Christian witness in their village, which was really wonderful. And the service was outdoors, uh, uh, which was great. We got to sing. I got to preach to people without masks, which I've not done for a long time. And uh, I was saying to the group earlier, the length of the sermon was governed by the length of time I could stand up in the sunshine uh, this morning. I started to sway after 10 minutes. Uh, and then I came home and uh, I uh, quickly got changed and uh, my, four of my grandsons have been with me today, so I've had an afternoon of Lego and uh, rediscovering that my six-year-old grandson, who's the eldest, can beat me at Mario Kart any time he wants to now. Uh, despite extensive practice on my part. Uh, and then really lovely to be here this evening. I thought it'd be helpful tonight to talk to you about the Lord's Prayer, uh, partly for the candidates, but partly to reintroduce all of us to the Lord's Prayer and its depths at this particular moment as we continue this immensely challenging journey through COVID and at this particular point and this particular time. And it's really interesting to talk about the Lord's Prayer at a service of adult confirmation because it's helpful to remember that in the early centuries of the Christian church, the 100s and the 200s and parts of the 300s, the Lord's Prayer was not widely known outside the church community. In fact, it was kept as one of the secrets of the faith. At so deep and powerful and meaningful are the words of this particular prayer that the point on your journey at which you learned it was actually after you'd been baptized and prayed for by the bishop, not before. So uh, in a world where the majority of people were not Christians. You would come into contact with the church and you would explore Christian faith and you would decide you wanted to put your name down to be baptized and then there would begin a process of formation and learning. It's a very serious step in a context in which there was resistance to Christians and sporadic persecution of Christians. So you would learn about Christian faith over a period of years and then you would have an intense period of instruction uh, during Lent, normally, and you'd be baptized in wonderful ceremonials around the Easter 
weekend. And then, and then, you will be taught the Lord's Prayer. And so the Lord's Prayer is something you receive at that point, and then uh, is a prayer which shapes your life. Uh, it's really clear, I think, from the New Testament that Jesus gives these words, this very short prayer by the standards of the day, as a way of shaping our lives and of every day, for Christians are meant to say the Lord's Prayer every day of our lives, coming back to the center and holding on to these powerful truths as a way of living against the grain of our culture and remembering the grace and love of God. So I thought it might be helpful to you and to the candidates to enter again into these lines of the Lord's Prayer, which for us are, if anything, over-familiar. They're words we learn often as children and don't think about very much as adults, as a way of re-entering into them as words of great grace and power and the source of great strength in the living of our Christian lives. So just reflect on the prayer with me, line by line. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Every time I say that opening line of the Lord's Prayer, I remind myself of my place in the universe. I remind myself of my place in the universe. And I relocate myself. I remind myself that this universe is not, and I am not, a random collection of atoms and molecules assembled by chance. I am part of humanity. As far as we know, the only sentient life form in the universe able to appreciate the vastness of the universe and able to reflect glory back to our creator. And this universe in which I am located and of which I'm part is created by a God who is loving and personal and knows me and loves me deeply and who invites me to call God Father. One of those moving moments of every confirmation service is where the bishop says to the candidate immediately before they're confirmed, God has called you by name. God has called you by name. And every time we say the Lord's Prayer, we remind ourselves that we are known and loved and meant to be here and here with purpose. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. The second line of the prayer, 
helps me to see and understand at least a little what is going on in the world around me. We are living through a once-in-a-generation change and shift through the pandemic. There seems no doubt about that, that these years we are living through will be to this century as the two world wars were in the last century, in that so much will change. And one of the things this terrible pandemic is exposing is how thin our resources are for understanding pain and difficulty and suffering in the life of the world. And the key to beginning to get a handle on all that is happening is in the second line of the Lord's Prayer. Thy will be done, your will be done. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Because the prayer assumes that God the Father made the world and made it good. But this world is not yet as God intends it to be. There is evil and pain and suffering and fallenness and brokenness. And we are called to work for its mending, but to also understand it is not yet all that it can be. And in that understanding lie the resources to address the deep suffering of our time. Your will be done, your kingdom come on earth as in heaven. And then comes, I think, the most radical line of the prayer and the most countercultural, right in its center. Give us this day our daily bread. It's also the line that tells you that Jesus intends you to say the prayer every day. And the echo is the manna story in the book of Exodus, which is given for that day. But this is a prayer for just enough for today. It's a prayer for contentment. Sometimes when the Lord's Prayer is taught in Sunday school, uh, we're taught in this line of the prayer to open out our petitions to God and all the things that we might want God to do for us. But Jesus is actually very careful in what he encourages us to pray for. Enough for today. And it's a way of praying which defeats and is the antidote to our ambition and our materialism and our hopes of glory, simply to find contentment today. We're surrounded 24-7 by a data-rich advertising industry which has one purpose, and that is to make us not content with what we have received this day with enough. We need in this generation more than any other to say, give us this day our daily bread. 
Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. The fourth line of the prayer reminds me every day that a crucial part of my humanity and the humanity of others is imperfection. And just as the world is not as it will one day be, nor am I, and I need to learn to rest in that imperfection, to seek to be better, but also find every day God's grace and forgiveness, <coughs> and to be able to extend that forgiveness to others. So many people find it so hard, especially, I think, uh, people growing up in a 24-7 social media age. So many people find it so hard to cope with the brittleness of our own imperfections and flaws and the imperfections and flaws of others. And sometimes the Christian church has presented the gospel of forgiveness as if it was a harsh and difficult thing to recognize that you are a, a sinner and fall short. In fact, it is a life-saving thing to look in the mirror and recognize that you are imperfect and that God accepts our imperfections and seeks to mend them. And in the same way, it is so vital to recognize the need for grace and forgiveness in all of our relationships, in family and church and society. If there is to be healing and mending, it will need to be with forgiveness. Do not bring us to the time of trial, a better translation than testing or uh, temptation, but deliver us from evil. A cry to God to save us and be with us in the midst of pain and difficulty, not acknowledging or thinking that as Christians we will be taken out of the pain and difficulty of the world but that we will be given strength and wisdom and mercy as we stand within that pain and difficulty. And the words at the end of the prayer, added by the church, not in the accounts in Matthew and Luke, for the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours. Uh, turning the prayer uh, in the end to the person God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, uh, who is creator, redeemer, and sustainer, to whom be glory now and for always. Amen. We stand in such need at this moment in our journey as a world, as our country, as the church. We have never needed more these simple profound truths and to set them at the core of who we are, of our identity in Christ, that we are known and loved by God, 
that we are working with an imperfect world which God will bring to perfection. That we are called to the deep life's work of seeking to be content. That we are fallible and flawed and each day need forgiveness and to forgive. And that we are called each day to stand strong in the face of difficulties as disciples of Christ. As we pray for our candidates this evening, we pray for one another that God will help us to understand and to live these truths all our lives for his glory. Amen.